Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. In our society, most people are scared of death. They don't want to talk about it, much less think about it. Today I'm talking to Shirley. Today is her 80th birthday. She has a very different view about death. Hello, Shirley. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. That's another Shirley. Thank you very much. (laughs) How do you feel about turning 80? I'm really excited. This is the first birthday. I've never cared about birthdays at all, um, but I'm really excited about this one. For the weirdest thing is because heaven is such a reality to me that I feel, well, surely at 80, I'm, even though I'm so disgustingly well, surely I must be getting closer. So that's why I'm so excited about today. Now, there wouldn't be many people who'd be excited about getting closer to death, so that's certainly a very unusual view. No, heaps of them. I know heaps of them. Okay. So um, you wrote a poem about your view on death. Would you mind reading that to us? Yes. Um, I'm going to have this read at my funeral. Um, Ideally, I'd like to read it myself to just crack everyone up and be so hilarious but one of my daughters said mum if you do that I'm not coming so I don't think I can do it <laughs> anyway this is the poem here I called it all aboard I'm standing at the station and I'm waiting for the train I've got a one way ticket because I won't be back again I can almost hear it chugging as it comes around the bend. Oh, praise and hallelujah, my earthly journey's near the end. Please don't think it's been all bad. In fact, I've had a ball. But three score years and ten down here, we've given that is all. The clock is loudly ticking and my use by day is past. Gosh, it all went so quick, I've now arrived, I gasped. But am I ready now to board? Oh, yes, yippee, let's go. The gospel train, heaven bound, it's free and costs no dough. So, as I stand here waiting, I see you by my side, and I'm holding out my hand to you to come and join me on this ride. All tickets are entirely free, but one must qualify. The gospel train is just one way. Destination is sky high. It's simple as to come on board. It requires the sinner's prayer. Dear Lord, take all my sins away. I choose to live with you for air. So toot and whistle, hiss and roar, no luggage in my hand. I hear it coming round the bend. Wow, I'm soon off to that fair land. And I wrote that in 2012, so it's quite a long time since then. (laughs) That's fabulous. But what about the reality? So you told me that many of your former colleagues and people you know have died and that you attend funerals very frequently. 
What, what about the reality of actually going to somebody's funeral? Well, I absolutely love them. It's turned out to be my favourite occupation. Um, that's if I uh, feel comfortable with what the decision that person has made. And um, so usually I know them. Um, and um, no, I'm, I'm just so, well, to be honest, I'm absolutely jealous of them. And I've just had a, a very close friend die. She's kind of my church but then we sit together at church and safety four and, and I went to a funeral last week and um, I've said to her many times, you get there before me, I'll jolly well dig you up. So I've kind of pictured her grinning out there and thinking, I'm, I'll beat you to it. So no, no, I um, just, I, I love funerals. But that's all thanks to my marvellous husband because uh, I wouldn't love funerals if it hadn't been for him. So tell um, me about that. Tell me about yeah. that. So how yeah, did your how did your marvelous husband help you to find funerals something to look forward to rather than something to fear? Exactly because I was I hadn't actually realised that Mum did not Mum was very Scottish and came from Edinburgh never adjusted to New Zealand always wanted to go back was always depressed and um, I didn't realise as a kid or even as a teenager that mum did not do funerals uh, because we had shops and dad would always go to the funerals um, of clients or whatever he would always go and mum would mind the shop so that seemed totally um, appropriate to me I didn't even think about it until I got married and um, I started to recognise this absolute um, abhorrence of death, dying uh, funerals uh, cemeteries, it was just something to be totally avoided. And anyway, we, after and I were running the, the Baptist Church youth group at the time, and, um, we had a young man in our youth group that died of leukemia. And, um, when he died, um, Arthur said, we were the leaders, so he said, oh, well, his funeral's like so and so will be, you know, we'll be going, da da da. And I said, I said, I'm not going. She said, what do you mean? I said, no way. I said, I don't do funerals. And I was adamant. And he said to me, you've got to go. He said, because, you know, we this is important that we are there. And I, I just said, I cannot go. No way. Well, in the end, he persuaded me that I had to go. Now, I can honestly say that when we got to the church, he had to almost carry me and I could hardly walk. But once I got in that door, you know how it says, face your fears and they'll leave you? Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I got in that door, everything had gone. In fact, I found I was quite nosy looking around to see who was there and everything. And they've never bothered me since then. But I'm so, so grateful because it would have gone through to my children. I know it would have. And yet, we've had so many picnics on cemeteries and they love it. They go, you know, look round at all the graves and all this. It was way back from 18 whatnot and we've got our, our our plots chosen and we've been out there and they know where they are and we had a cup of tea out there which was hilarious um, on our grave and um, yeah so um, I'm so grateful because had he not more or less insisted I went I think I would still be avoiding it and my children will be doing it too so that's all thanks to Arthur. So why was your mother so terribly afraid of funerals and death and dying? Well, I think I, when I read the Molly Weir books, there's some amazing 
a series of books by Molly Weir, who was a fabulous, she was actually a journalist and, and you know, she'll be gone now, I suppose, but she was in, uh, I think she might have been in Glasgow. And I read, her, they were autobiographies, she had had a very happy life. And um, I, I learned so much in, about mum from the Scottish uh, tenements. They were very, very poor mum and her family. But they were also very, very proud, and you know they had kept everything immaculate and all that. But I found out from um, the Molly Weir books that when they were so poor like that, if the children got too sick, um, they the um, parents used to hide them because whenever they saw the ambulance coming down the street, a terror, terror and fear would fly into them, and they knew that once the child went to hospital in those poor situations, they'd probably never see them again. So they hid their children. And so after I read that, I thought, oh, there goes Mum. Um, and of course, she went through the war too with uh, the bombings going on and their um, clothes all in bundles on the bottom of their bed to flee if they had to. So, you know, now that she's gone, I dearly, dearly wish I had spent more time trying to understand mum I did to a little degree but nothing like I wish I had you know did she ever have any siblings who died or or someone close to her who died yes yes now that's a thought I hadn't even thought of that yes she did um there were four they were all girls four girls and their mother and father and their father was at the war he had gone to war and we the first world war and um but while he was away, uh, the third little girl, Mum, uh, there was one below this little girl, but this little girl was only two. Mary Alice was her name, and she died of, I don't know, rheumatic fever or something. And we've got photos here of we've got the first family with the four little girls and Mum and Dad and the smiling, especially Mum, She's just beaming because she's got her little brood with her. And then we've got another follow-up photo on the wall, and there's only three little girls. They're still quite young. And uh, their father, I don't think he's there because he, he had time, was given time to come home to the little girl for her funeral. Not sure whether he's on it or not, but anyway. And you see every one of them, and they're not smiling. The difference between... Um, the first photo and the second photo is quite different because they would have known that mum was so, their mum was so sad and of course the kids would have picked that up. So I hadn't even thought of that, Shirley, but I think that probably is a huge, um, part of it too. And you don't know if they were afraid of death, they might never have spoken about it again. It may be something that was buried alive and, was never ever brought to life again because I don't remember mum talking about her except to just tell us that it happened so mm. it's interesting. So having a little sister die um, certainly would be yes. very close to you. Yes well that's right well we had Robin we thought we were going to lose Robin she's our youngest mm-hmm. and um, it turned out in the end she only needed iron but that child was dying before our eyes and it was just terrible she was you know, even the most tasty things, she didn't want to have them. And um, shivering all the time with her hair, all thin and everything. But finally, it was me that said that we were beside ourselves that 
we told, we, well, I said to the doctor, do you think she could need iron? He said, well, I'll test, and she did, and she's had iron ever since. She's had to have it every day. Not quite sure what she does now, but all, as a child, she had to have iron every day. She doesn't assimilate it. So, you know, if we'd lost her, we'd be in a very different situation too. Yes, certainly. Now, you mentioned that you didn't spend as much time with your mum as you wished you had. Are you looking forward to being reunited with her? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yes. So tell me um, a, Yeah, a hospice nurse uh, for 30 years. I've got her book. I pick up all those books now. And um, she she really knew and She was a 30 years hospice nurse. And she, she, she said that someone usually comes and accompanies the person um, to the, the next life. And so I'm hoping it's going to be mum. And I'm hoping that Arthur Sada will come and get him because he's very, very close to his father. And um, this lady said, after 30 years, she said, and I mean, she was in the hospital, in the hospice, she said, if you really tells you he sees an angel at the end of the bed, she said, he sees an angel there. Because, you know, relations would say, oh, I think he must be hallucinating. But she said, no, he can see that. So, yes, I'm, I'm hugely keen to see mum again because I now feel that I uh, have um, made a, a, much peace, a very much peace with her, in fact, total. So does Arthur, your husband, share your view about death and dying? Of what? About death and dying? I mean, is he as eager yes. oh, to, to die oh, as you are? Oh, he, he wants to die more than me. He said, he's told me that he always wished he was a butterfly because they only live one day. Right. Now, it's not that he's unhappy, and neither am I. We're joyously happy. But I just know it's going to be so amazing over there, and I just don't know why so many people are so... Even people that, you know, have strong beliefs, they seem to be nervous about it. I, a lot of people, I think, think it's going to be boring. They're just going to be sitting on the crowd playing a harp, and who would want to do that? It sounds terrible. It's not going to be like that at all. Mm. So given that both you and he are so eager to die, is it frustrating remaining here on Earth? Absolutely. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. All I could think of today is, oh, surely I'm not going to celebrate the next video at 90. Surely not. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it is frustrating. Especially as our health, especially mine, just keeps getting rough. It's got great health, too. I've got nothing wrong with me. Not a single thing. I have got an eye that doesn't close very well because I've had a brain tumour. But um, apart from that, nothing wrong with me. So what are you... Nothing. So what are you doing to fill your time while you wait? Oh, we're very busy. We go to the Salvation Army Church and we're very busy down there. And um, I've got an old lady of 92 up the road that I'm... I haven't, I haven't known her, but I was asked by the church if I'd visit her, and I have been. I'm visiting her for quite a while now, and I've spent a lot of time... She's very, very broken in her body because she had a terrible accident and she has to stay inside. So I get her money out because the carers aren't allowed to touch her money. And um, so I've got, she gives me a cheque and then I go up and get 
uh, a month's lot of money out for it. But the problem now is coming that cheeks are going. So this has been something we've had to really put our head around. She's got three very caring kids, but they don't live here. So what we've decided more or less is her son from Wakatani is going to put $600 in our bank every month, and then I will go up and um, pull it out and, give it, and take it to her. So, so that's a big and, and, and we've got lots of other things too. We, we pick up lame dogs. That's, that's what our clan, both sides of the clan is basically, and nobody puts a word to it, but we sort of thought, yeah, we, we help lame dogs over styles. And these two girls sitting here do it all the time. You know, they help people to get houses and bring the price, you know, but make, make, may they make things happen for people. Okay. That it wouldn't happen to you. And it's, it's such a brilliant way to live. It's, so, it's, it's happiness. So you're certainly living a fulfilled, happy, oh, absolutely. busy life yes. while you wait. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yes, yes, absolutely. And the two girls you're referring to are your daughters who are sitting there with you, Robin. And the and other Robert. one in Australia, she does the same. Right. Like, she, they've, oh, so, they've had 14 World Vision children that they've supported. Forever, and one day our our two granddaughters, dear little things, are only about seven and nine. They rang up so excited, they said, Grandma, Grandma, we're so excited! We've got our very own world vision child, and they had phased up, and they got Violet. I mean, I'm nearly crying as I say it. Rachel has been; she goes to Uganda about every six months. She saves up, she goes to Uganda. She's been on the mercy ships working. She goes to Uganda and um, she works in an orphanage there with little black babies and all that. And um, and while she was there, uh, she said, got um, emailed them home or rang up him. She said, oh, it's terrible. You know, they've got no school. It's just a, um, a bit of king shack and that. So Wendy and Ian, it was so cheap. They gave 5000 sent it over to... To Rachel and and uh, Rachel told them what she could do with it, and they bought a school over there, and for that money. And then Wendy was busy looking in all the because we're a great junk shop. We none of us spend money. We, we're all scrounging in the junk shop. I've got two presents today, and they came from the junk shop. And I'm thrilled. Linda's bought me a Lily Put Lane, um, a, um, a very expensive one that she got for junk in the junk shop, and she said, and the junk shop had everything half price that day. They know that makes my day. And yes. Robin bought a gorgeous little teddy bear thing, a soap thing that came. And I said to them, I don't want any presents. I'm downsizing and I've got far too much junk. And um, so they're here and then they're going to take us out and they're going to spoil us. And I've just come home from the most incredible holiday I've ever had in my life. It was the best two weeks of my life in that Robin took me down to the brother-in-law's funeral and then she took me all around all the all mass, which was quite extensive because mum was so depressed she was always shifting. We were always shifting. Okay. And Robin took me everywhere and did nothing for herself. She said, it's all about you, Mum. And I'm not used to, I don't like everything to be all about me. <laughs> certainly I can talk to you like this. So, but yeah, so, I've so got tell me, side. Tell me, Shirley, you mentioned your brother-in-law's death. Yes. So that's someone close to you who's died. Yes. So how and that was absolutely wonderful. How absolutely did he approach his death? Oh, his, his approach is exactly the same as Arthur's. 
Um, exactly the same. And um, when when he went into the hospital, he had a very, very strong faith, and so did his wife and his kids. And he went into hospital and not knowing quite what was wrong with him. After the oldest brother died of lung cancer too, they got this lung thing, but I'm pleased to say my darling man has had emphysema and it's been cured and I'm taking full credit for it because I got him off milk. He didn't want me to, but he's done and his chest now is perfect with his other two brothers have died of lung cancer. But he, and I think he was heading that way because he had was getting pneumonia and he died in hospital with pneumonia, but now his chest is perfect. Um, so he's forbidden on milk. And uh, anyway, um, so when Zoom... He went into the hospital, and then five doctors all came in, and they stood round him looking very sombre, and because they were bringing this terrible news, and they said, um, "I'm afraid we have bad news." And he said, "You only have to know him; he's a real character, a real trick." And he just they said, "We have some very bad news." He said, "Oh." As if to say, whatever bad news could you be bringing? And they said, well, uh, we, you know, this is not going to... And he said, so in other words, I'm terminal? They said, I think, yes, I'm afraid. He said, oh, he said, that's great. He said, well, he said, I'm... I said, uh, I don't want you to do anything. He stopped. He, he wouldn't have chemo or radiation or anything. He said, no, he said, I don't want you to hurry it up in any way, but I don't want you to slow it down. I just want nature to take its course. He said, I'm ready to go. And, uh, and they gave him two to six weeks. And his wonderful daughters took him home, one's a nurse, and they said, we're going to keep Dad till he goes. And he ended up living two and a half years, which was amazing. And those kids, they, they fronted up to it. it. It couldn't have been easy, but they did it and they managed to keep him at home. And he was only, uh, he never went to the hospice. He just died from home. And, um, but no, his attitude, he never lost. He was on strong morphine in the end, but if we rang him and talked to him, it was just like he was normal, never lost his mind or anything. And, Always positive, and when he could get out and work on his, his daughter's um, property, he would, and do it just as whatever, um, you know, strength he had. And then we went to his funeral, which was absolutely jubilant. It was, um, it was just jubilant because almost everybody that would have been there would have had the same faith as him. And um, so altogether, it was a wonderful experience. So you certainly don't fear death, but what about actually dying? The process of dying. Well, I'm not keeping on. No, that, that's the only problem I have. And same with Arthur. How are we going to be? And uh, we've seen quite a few really, really niggly old people. I think, oh dear, because you don't know. My father died of Alzheimer's too, but I'm not worrying about that. I just don't have any feeling I'm going to get it. But we don't know what we're going to be like, and we don't know. We don't know how we're going to leave the earth, and I'm not too chuffed about that. And also with Arthur, well, he says, if I'm a problem, just put me in Potter Home, which is a home he's... And now his, his ministry is visiting oldies, and he goes to the homes and visits the shut-ins. That's, that's his ministry. And um, so but the thought of how it'll go, I'll be just relying on our kids, really. And I said to them, look... Um, and and I, I made a decision a long, long time ago, and I thought if Arthur had gone uh, and I was uh, a widow, 
I thought, I've seen a lot of widows can do some very foolish things with their money. So I thought that we've got three sons-in-laws, and I thought that I would consult them, and I would just find out, and I would go by their guidance. But anyway, I don't know how that's going to work now, because, I mean, if we I don't know, because that was many years ago I decided that, well, yeah, it would be still the same. I would seek their guidance on it because I don't want to do my own thing and go and do stupid things. Now, Shirley, this is a conversation that we'll need to continue. Um, so we've run out of time for the moment, but we'll carry on this conversation next time. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.